0: I wanted to kind of tell y'all the kind of my heart behind this series before we got in the word. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend about the first chunk of this talking about that. And then we're gonna get into it. But it, if you've been around Elevation for a while, or I'll just, I always wanna say the vision of our ministry is find your place. And we say that a lot because there's this phrase that a lot of leadership people say is vision leaks, meaning you can't just say vision once and expect goodbye. So I mean, even think about that in your life. If you have a vision or a dream for your life, you can't say, I'm going to do this and then never talk about it for 10 years because vision leaks. Dreams kind of go away if we don't pursue after them. And so I'm going to talk, I want to be a pastor that puts find your place in front of you and make sure. Well, we talk about that three ways, in Christ, in the church, and biblical community. Well, I want to talk about find your place in Christ real fast because the heart of That you would not only, maybe if some of you, I I can't assume that everyone's a believer in Christ, but if you're not yet, maybe you would make that decision um, based off you and God. But those of you who would call yourselves Christians, believers in Christ, that you would be growing in that, right? That you would grow in your relationship with God, that you would grow in your identity of who God is and who you are in him. Because that's a big thing for our generation. That's a big thing for young adulthood. We're trying to figure out no matter if we didn't grow up in church or we did grow up in church or we grew in this kind of family or that kind of family, who am I? From 18 to 35, who am I? The millennials, that's our generation. Who am I? We're trying to figure out what we're trying to do. So that's why find your place in Christ is so important to us. Well, there's a scripture that me and our team kind of rest on for this thought, and it's Ephesians 4, verse 12 and 13. And it's going to be on the screens. And when I say this, it'll make sense. But I want Paul's talking. I just want to read this to you guys. And I think it will shed some light on the message tonight. It says to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's Jesus. Hello. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So my heart as a pastor, when it comes to sermons like this, when it comes to our serve team, when it comes to our life groups, when it comes to our events, what we're going to do after service, I just pray as a as, As a leadership team, as a ministry, we can equip you for the work of the service. We can equip you for the rest of your life. Because like I said earlier, elevation is just a season of our life. It's just a ministry, right? So my heart is to equip you, to prepare you for later on in life with the word of God. And what I'm going to talk about tonight is a very important topic that sometimes people can misconstrue and it kind of get lost for for very different reasons. But if we keep reading in that thing, it says, why do we want to equip these people? So that the body of Christ may be strengthened. We are the body of Christ. It's saying so that all you do your part, you're strengthened, so it strengthens the whole body, right? We're unified, and we may become mature. Because, guys, we have a lot of life to live. Young adults, you know what I'm talking about. When people get out of school, they're like, I'm so old. I'm 25. And I'm like, well, I'm not old. You're crazy. I got about 70 more years in my life. That's what I believe at least. So if you think you're 28 old, you're in trouble. I hate when people say that. Especially people, those of you are in Greek life, that's like the thing. Because like a semester of Greek life is like 10 years of your life for some reason. So when you graduate and you're done with Greek life, you're like, I'm so old. I hate it. It's dumb. Don't believe them. It's, not, it's a lie. The last part of the scripture says this, though. That we, that we may experience the fullness of Christ. So not only have we received salvation from God and we say, yes, I'm a Christian, but God wants more of him. Pastor Rick says that, man, some of y'all are believers and you're going to heaven, but you're not enjoying the ride. Like the fullness of Christ, right? That's our prayer. So when I'm talking about find your place in Christ, that's one of those things. So I've been a pastor, if you're new to Elevation, I've only been doing this for a year and about four months, which is kind of crazy. But I'm learning to kind of rely and seek God on y'all's behalf And it's like, I'm asking God, because I'm already trying to do this in my own life, but I'm like, God, is there something you want me to speak to them? We're talking about honoring God. What do you want me to teach them? And I'm getting a little better at that. But when I thought about this this summer, it was a no-brainer. I was like, I want to talk about giving. I want them to talk about honoring God with their finances. I want to talk about the tithe, because I feel like in young adulthood, they need to understand your heart with it, God because I didn't understand it, because I didn't grow up in church, and someone didn't teach me it until I was in my senior year of undergrad, and then once I got it, it, it just changed my life. It changed the way I viewed things. It changed the way I treated people. It changed the way I, how I gave, and not just of my finances. I'll talk about that a lot, but of my time, of my talents, of myself, right, and so this is just heavy on my heart, like, I've been excited to speak all these messages this semester, but since August, when we had a sermon planning meeting, I said, I want to talk about giving. When can I talk about giving? And this happens to be that. I want to share my heart with y'all so you don't think I'm just trying to talk about money just because. Like, I literally, it's weird. I'm a new pastor. I literally have a burden for y'all. Like, my heart was beating in my, my office before I came out here because it's just, I was just like, I want... You all to get it so bad and know the truth of the word of God and not maybe what the world might say. Does that make sense? So when we're talking about this honoring God series, when I was thinking about honor, I broke it down in two quick ways. You can write this down if you're taking notes. It's simple. I just made this up based off the word of God. I think two little, easy, simple ways we can honor God is we can be obedient to him, to his word, to his commands in the word. But also when God puts something on our heart, we're just obedient. That's a great way to honor God. And the second one is that we're good stewards of the things he gives us. Meaning the and I'm not just talking about finances, I'm going to say that a lot. I'm talking about most of y'all in here own a vehicle or have owned a vehicle. Most of y'all in here live in a home. Most of y'all in here, if not on y'all, have family, have friends, have things. And God has called us to be good stewards of those things. And I think if we are obedient to the things he puts on our heart and we're good stewards, that's a great way. It's not the only way. It's a great way to honor God. Can I get an amen on that? Does that make sense? So with that being said, this is where we're going tonight. I'm going to talk about kind of my heart in the beginning of it, share some things that What I would say is disarm y'all. Just kind of open up your heart and then we're gonna get into the word about this. Because scripture says in the book of James that every good gift is from above. Whether it's finances, whether it's our friendships, whether it's our car, whether it's a college degree, whether it's a new job, every good gift is from above. God blesses us and it's awesome. But I'm not silly to think that we're not all at different places in this room on this topic. And I need y'all to know at the sound of my voice, that's okay. It's okay if we're all at different places. If you're like, I'm gonna give you all some examples of where some of y'all might be. If you're like me, maybe you didn't grow up in church or maybe no one's ever taught you this. So it's not your fault. You just don't understand. That's okay. That's where I was. Some of y'all maybe have heard about giving in tithe, but you just, you just choose not to be for whatever reason. That's your conviction. No problem. Some of y'all understand the tithe and you give every once in a while, Right? Some of y'all serve and give in some ways, and maybe you serve of your time, you serve and give in that way, but of your tithe, you're not quite sure about it. Um, some of y'all might give um, online, or some of y'all might give in our weekend services, that's great too. A lot of y'all in this room, I'm sure, because I've done some research and I've talked to some pastors older in me, a lot of y'all have maybe been hurt by this topic, or maybe your family has, or maybe you grew up in a church that was pretty legalistic about that, meaning it was rules, 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 like you give or, or else, right? Maybe you grew up in a church like that. Uh, maybe some of y'all, I didn't know this. I, I like watched, uh, is it Station TBN? It's like a, the Christian channel. And this guy was just screaming. And he's like, if you sow, a, I didn't want to say this story. It just came out. He's like, if you sow a seed of $5, that's all I did. And I was a millionaire. And I was like, what is going on? I, didn't, I thought that was fake. And I had never seen it on TV. And this guy was talking about if you give $8, you'll become a millionaire. And I was like. Wow, that's called the prosperity. That's just not the word of God. I'm not trying to say these people, it's just crazy, right? Some of y'all have been hurt by a church like that that says, you just gotta give, you just gotta give because you're supposed to, right? That's not what I'm saying tonight. So I'm trying to shed some light on the word of God so you as young adults, to prepare you for the works of service, to prepare you for the rest of your life, that one day, most of y'all, if not all y'all, want to have a family and want to have kids, and they have kids, well, we need to know and understand this topic because it's pretty big, right? And the church has sometimes split on that. So I'm going to give you three quick things that I just want to encourage you guys with, and then we're going to get into our main points, okay? So if you're taking notes, the first one is no one is a natural born giver. <laughs> it's okay. No one's a natural born giver. Like, we're literally born to selfish, like takers, like we want to take care of us. If you're at the stand, or I said a little Devo last week, like, it's the battle of living by the Spirit or living by our sin nature. We all have a sin nature. It's okay. We were born with it. That's why we were saved by grace. But, like, it's the battle of those two things, right? But we're, we're naturally that. Think of kids or babies, like the terrible twos—a kid's playing with everything, and this is mine, and this is mine. Oh, your water, this is mine. Your pumpkin, this is mine. Mine, mine, mine. Because it, they're just innately selfish. They're not bad kids. Not, it's just that's how we're wired. We're wired as a takers. Or if you're like me, when you're little, and any time you played with another kid, or whether it's elementary school or middle school, and your parents say, "Hey, Amir, you have to share. You have to share. It's not just yours. You have to share." Why? Because we're innately selfish people. It's okay. It's not like oh, we stink. I'm not saying that. It's just that's how we're wired. The cool thing about this is. God is naturally the flip. God is naturally a giver. So think about the most famous scripture ever, unless there's one that I don't know about. And it's John 3:16. And I want y'all to finish. It says, God so loved the world, he, he gave his only begotten son. So while we are innately selfish, God is innately a giver. That's why we need the Lord. That's why we need to be God. That's why we need to be led by our spirit. Our, our, our theme for this year, though we're in October, Pastor has been teaching us to be compelled by the spirit, be led by the spirit of God so we can be life-giving, so we don't be selfish, okay? Point number two, sub-point. You are not defined by your past. You're not defined by your past. Drop it like it's hot. You're not defined by your past. How many of y'all have ever made a silly financial decision? I'm gonna raise my hand. Anything. Look at the crazy people that go to elevation. This is awesome. Uh, Just kidding. Paul talks about, in one of his letters, he says, what I do is I forget what is behind me, and I press on to what's ahead. So, so many times when we talk about giving or anything in life with our relationship with God, we're we're so bogged down by our past. But I've been talking about this. God's been showing me a lot. We're not a slave to our past if you're a believer in Christ. Scripture says that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So, when I talk tonight, if you somehow feel guilt or you feel shame, you need to know that's not from me and that's not from the Lord. That's the enemy trying to deceive you, okay? And so, you're not defined by your past. This is not about your past. This is not about what your parents did or what your parents—we're not talking about that, okay? Does that make sense? Number three— I'm not talking about this just so you'll give the church money. Let me get really blunt real fast. I'm not talking about this so you'll give our church money, as silly as that sounds. So like this message I'm going to teach y'all and the tithe in general isn't because NLC and and Elevation needs more money. Like Pastor Neil, Pastor didn't call me and says, Amir, I need you to do an offering because we're in need of some money. Do it at Elevation or you're fired. (laughs) That didn't happen. It's never going to happen. That's almost silly to say, right? It's not a pressure. But let let me entertain you with this thought, and this is going to kind of shock some of y'all. God does want your money. He doesn't need your money, but he wants your money. And you might be thinking, I mean, that doesn't, I don't understand. That doesn't make sense. He wants your money because scripture says where your treasure is, your heart is also. That's why he wants your money. It's in Matthew 6, 21. Jesus is talking, red letters. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what's interesting about that scripture, verse 20, right before that, he says, you can take treasures in the world and it'll fade away, or you can take treasure in heaven or or sow seeds of treasure in heaven and it'll last forever. So hear me, Elevation. I'm not saying that striving for things and goals and opportunities and those are bad. I'm not saying that. But we can sow seeds. what, What it is, it's saying is where our treasure is, our heart will follow. But let me tell you something really interesting that kind of rocked my world. I never really thought about it. It's very simple. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is people. Souls. It's the only thing. That doesn't mean you have to sell all your belongings. That doesn't mean you change what you're doing. It's just an inter- eternal perspective. We have to keep that in mind. The only thing you can take with you to heaven is people. So it might change where your priorities are. It, it, it might change the way you look at your life. But this is what I want you to understand. If you don't hear anything else from me when we talk about tithing, you need to hear this. This is a heart issue. God's always been in the business of wanting your heart. I tell you this a lot because it's really passionate of mine as a pastor. You have to know that God wants to be in a relationship with you. Well, if you call yourself a Christian, you're in there. You're in that relationship, but he wants all of you. He wants to be first in your life. He wants your heart. So when I say he wants your money, I don't mean he literally wants all the money. He knows where your heart is because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Does that make sense? That's what I mean when I say that. But let me encourage you with something here. Actually, write this down. I wrote this down. I think you might like it. Ultimately, tithing is not about the church wanting your money, but more about God wanting your heart. So ultimately, tithing is not about the church wanting your money, but more about God wanting your heart. And remember, I said ultimately, big picture, it's about God wanting your heart. Because if you didn't know this, research shows even today a top five reason people leave a church or don't come back to a church after a visit is the quote, the phrase is, the church just wants my money. That's what they think. And I can't speak for all churches, but I can speak for New Life Church. I can not speak for Elevation, and that's not, that's not the initial desire. But people literally, top five reason they leave a church or they don't come back to a church. Now, let me say this. This is kind of caveat. Scripture is clear, and we're going to go through it, that, the, that God says, you bring the tithe to my house that you bring it to the house of the Lord. So when you give, it is to the local church. That's clear. But let me say this. Let me, let me be honest with you guys. If you're a guest in here, maybe you're visiting, or this is your first couple times elevation, or you don't call New Life Church Elevation your home, giving doesn't apply to you. That's what we believe as a church. So if you come here on the weekend, and you don't feel like New Life Church is your home yet, and you're not a member yet, don't worry. That's not for you. Because scripture talks about we don't give under obligation or under compulsion. That's not why we give. And so what we always say is, hey, if you're a guest, relax. I came here to collide. I don't know if you remember that. And there was 1,000 kids here. And I said, hey, we're blessed to have a lot of visiting students, college students. I said, like, hey, if the New Life Church is not your home, don't feel pressure to give. That's not why we're doing an offering right now. But I will say this. If you're figuring out where your church home is, whenever you figure out, this message is still for you and you need to give to that place. That's what it is. I just wanted to tell you because I don't want a guest in here to be like, wow, this church is crazy. The first time I come, this dude's talking about giving. <laughs> it's funny. Timing's are so good. Um, hear my heart. I'm not teaching on this, and like Seth and Maddie will come back up and be like, we're doing a love offering. Here are the buckets. We tricked you. That's not why I'm talking about this. Like, there's not going to be ushers that come from the sky and be like, JB, your buddy. That's weird, guys. I'm being silly because this is a heavy topic, but just know that there's no agenda behind me teaching you. This is between you and God. And I'm just trying to be your pastor to teach you a principle from God, a promise from God, a commandment from God that ultimately leads in blessing. I'll explain that in a second, that we sometimes neglect or negate as a generation for some reason. This is between you and God. It's a heart issue. That's why I'm being silly and talking about this stuff. I just need y'all to know that more than anything. And this is how I promise you I'm telling the truth if you don't believe me still. If you've ever been around Elevation you've been to Elevation before this semester, you know that every service mostly we would do an offering just like we do on the weekend. We would do a formal offering, but I had a conviction about it. Basically, God was stirring on my heart this summer and in August, and I, it was this simple thought. If they don't understand the heart behind it or God's why behind it, and they just think they're supposed to give just because, I don't want to do it. And I asked Pastor Neil, and he said, it's fine. Let them give at the boxes. That's why I said that, I said that earlier. If you f- feel led to give, give, give at the boxes. A lot of people give online. We haven't had a formal offering. You probably didn't notice that until this semester if you've been coming to for a while. We haven't had a formal offering on purpose. Because I never want y'all to think you're giving just to give and you don't understand the why, or you're giving because you think the church just wants your money. That's why we haven't had a formal offering. Because I want a uh, generation of young adults in Conway to understand the why and understand why to give, and then you give faithfully. Then you give out of joy. Then you give because you want to be obedient to God and honor him. That's why we give, okay? So this is, this is where I'm going. I'm going to say a lie. So in order to honor God, I believe, simply we, we can be obedient to him, Right? And we can be good stewards of what he's given us. And all throughout scripture, a truth of the word is, is when we're obedient to God, there is blessing there. Okay, everyone at the sound of my voice, after you write that down, I need you to look at me. When we're obedient to God, there is blessing. I need everyone to look at me. Because you need to get this. Because if you don't get this, we're in trouble. The word blessing, I looked it up. In the Hebrew, this is what it means. It means divine favor or to cause to prosper. Prosper in the Hebrew means to move along, to progress. Neither of those two definitions said anything about money. None of them. So when people say you're going to be blessed, when people say you're going to prosper, it means that the favor of God's going to be all enough, and He's going to help you move along. It means if you're a college student and it's in midterms and you're struggling, you want the favor of God in your life so He can prosper you, so He can move you along, so one day you can graduate and get a job. And if you're a young adult, you're still working and you're still striving, but maybe you're starting a family or you want a family, and God's going to move you along. His favor and His hand's are going to be upon you. It said nothing about money. So when people say, oh, you get, give to get," yeah, that's not what I'm saying. That's the prosperity message. That's not what we preach. You give for God's blessing. Because when you're obedient, yes, you get blessing, but it's the favor of God on your life. Is it sometimes financial? Sure, I'm not God, though. I don't make that decision. I can't just come up to you and tell you that. But what I'm talking about is, I want, I want you to have blessing in your family. I want you to have blessing in your friend group. I want to have blessing. Scripture says that you'd be blessed coming in and blessed going out. That scripture says that anything you put your hands to would be blessed. Whether it's relationships or whether it's working, whether it's school, that's the kind of blessing I'm talking about. So I don't want y'all to misunderstand in all this, or a lot of times as young adults, we'll shut off what we hear giving, we'll shut off when we hear blessing because we misunderstand what that word means. It means the favor of God on our lives. That's powerful. I want y'all to repeat after me because there's power in our words. I believe God, say it like you mean it, wants to bless me, give me favor, and help me prosper. Why had you say that because we just believe as a church and it's also in Proverbs that there's power in our words. So I just want you to speak it because sometimes our mind doesn't align with our spirit. And I want you to believe that God wants to bless you in some way and his favor wants to be on your life. I wrote this down. Blessing always comes after some form of obedience. Let me give you some examples. So like when you, salvation, when you give your heart to the Lord, when you say yes to Jesus, blessing comes with that. A lot of blessing comes with that. You're in a relationship with Jesus Christ You've been forgiven, you've been given grace, you've been given hope, and you've been given the spirit of God to live inside of you. That's the kind of obedience and blessing I'm talking about. When you go public with your faith and water baptism, God blesses you in your life, but I believe it blesses the people around you, your family, your friends, and you can walk in more favor because you've said yes to Jesus publicly with your faith. Let me be bold with you. When, when you uh, are obedient in the area of sexual purity, I believe that when you get married, God gives you a blessing that other people can't have if, if they abstain from that. Because that's the word of God. Scripture says, keep the marriage bed pure. I believe there's a blessing for the people who strive to do it right. I'm not saying perfect. Strive to do it right. There's a blessing when they get married because it's under the covenant of, of God, covenant marriage. Think about this. Think about any time God's maybe stirred something on your heart, okay? To do something, to talk, it can be very small. To talk to someone, or maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe if you're a student, it was to come to school in Conway or to pick a major. If you're a young at all, it was this job you're in now. Or maybe God's stirring you to a different job. Maybe God's stirring you to the mission field. I don't know. But when you're obedient, blessing comes to that. Let me describe the blessing that comes to you. It's got to the things of the fruit of the Spirit. That's probably the conversation I have the most with people, college or young at all. I mean, I'm just praying about what I'm going to do next. I'm praying about my family. I'm praying about these things coming up. That's amazing. And then when you're obedient, when you step through one of those open doors, or you go somewhere God's calling you, blessing comes. You know what blessing comes? The blessing of peace comes. The blessing of joy comes. The blessing of understanding comes. This is my favorite. The blessing of clarity comes. These guys—that's what we're asking God. That's what we're seeking God. We're always—we're just—that's just how we're wired. We want to know what's what next. Some of us are very detailed and want to know everything. Some of us are just like, I wonder what's going on next. But when we are obedient, the blessing of clarity will come. Because God's going to say, "Hey, you're faithful. I put something on your heart. You took the step. I'm going to meet you right there, and you're going to have peace that surpasses understanding." So I, tonight, I'm going to be a lot more teachy. I know a lot of times I get fired up. I don't know how you describe it, pastor. It's preachy, teachy, meachy. My parents do that. They just bounce words and make them up. Mom was like, get your food, mood, too, Jude. i was like, wow, what did you just say? It's foreign. Though. I just had to throw a foreign thing in there. Um, let me recap, though. So we're obedient to him. It's a great way to honor God. We're all at different places, and that's okay. We're not natural-born givers, defined by our past, and the church is not all after your money, I promise. But God does want to bless you, and that just simply means he wants to put favor on your life, prosper you, and ultimately, guys, he just wants our hearts, and he wants to be number one in our lives. Let, let me give you some facts, and then I'm going to give you our main points, and we'll finish up. Okay, so in, I, just, I did a lot of study for this because I'm not the most well-hearsed in this. I asked our lead pastor for a sermon on this. He sent me one. I, I, I watched some messages and read a book about a pastor that's really good about this from Texas. And, and I want you to, if you want to write these down, if you just want to know them, these facts, there are more than 500 verses on prayer. It's awesome, right? 500 verses on prayer, more than. There's almost 500 verses on faith. Okay? Listen to this one, watch this. There's more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. So take the verses of faith and add them to the verses of prayer, times it by two, and that's, the, that's how much scripture there is for money and possessions in the Bible. Do you think that's important? Let me say this. Jesus spoke in parables a lot. And a lot of the gospels he spoke in parables was simply a story or a metaphor to help you understand the main idea. 16 out of Jesus' 38 parables he spoke about money and possessions. Jesus, the king of kings, our savior. But if it's not important, why would Jesus talk about it almost half the time he was on earth? It's interesting. And I'm not trying to throw the truth at you. Just when I found these stats, they rocked my world. Because the word has basically shown us, hey, this is important. Hey, where your heart is, is important. Hey, where your treasure is, is important. Hey, where your priority is, is important. And I want to be first in your lives. And so I just thought these verses would set up kind of our talk. I did a lot of research. When, I, when I'm going to tell these points, I didn't just make these up. Like, I'm not awesome. This is a lot from an amazing pastor. But we'll get into our points. Number one, the tithe is a test. It is a test. That tithe is a test. It's an alliteration. Tithe test. Say that three times fast. I'm just kidding. Okay. We're going to go to Malachi 3. It's the, it's the book in the Bible right before Matthew. It's the last book in the Old Testament, um, right before the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. If you want to turn to that, you can. Phone Bible. Definitely, as always, will be on the screen. But I want to take you through the Scripture and just prove to you, show you how it is a test from the Lord. Malachi 3, verse 6. This is God speaking, not Pastor Amir. I, the Lord, do not change. So just, let's just stop right there. Proclaiming, declaring, hey, I don't change. Before, and sometimes you've got to get the context of Scripture. God says this before he talks about what's coming next. Hey, just so you know, I don't change, okay? Because now I'm going to explain the next part. So the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. He's saying, hey, I haven't destroyed you, if you're wondering. That's encouragement. Verse 7, ever since the time of your ancestors you have turned away from my decrees. Decrees are my commandments, my principles, things I've asked you to do. So he's talking to a group of people who said, This has been happening for a long time. God's kind of fed up. And you have not kept them. Return to me. Come back to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, How are we to return? So let's pause there. God's saying boldly, Hey, I didn't change but you're kind of missing it and your ancestors have been missing it for a long time. I've asked you to follow these decrees, these principles, these commandments, and you're having a hard time to it. So let me make it easy for you. Come back to me. Just return to me and I'll return to you and we'll figure this out. Isn't that a cool promise? When we could be as far as God's forever, we can be living in the world, we can have been having a tough time. God doesn't say, well, go, keep going. He says, come back to me. Hey, just return to me. He doesn't say, I can't believe you did that. You're gonna go to hell. He doesn't say, he says, return to me. You're up. just please just come back to me. He just created, remember, conviction brings us in from the Father, that's an awesome. But remember, I'm gonna say this again, this is God talking, not Pastor Amir. Verse eight, will Amir, Amir, that's not me. Well, it says Amir, it's just a different spelling. Well, Amir, I'm in the Bible, I was Persian name, sorry. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? And watch this, in tithes and offerings, I'm just bold. Man, you're far from me. And they're like, why are we far from you in tithes and offerings? You've been robbing me. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse. The storehouse was a part of the temple where they kept the grain. That is a, the temple is a church. He's saying, bring the tithe back to my church. Bring the tithe to my church. Remember I said that earlier. That there may be food in my house. God's talking about his house, which is the church. Take note of this. He says, test me in this, bold, says the Lord Almighty, And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, favor, and prosperity that there will not be room enough for you to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring crops. He's talking about the curse. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it ripes, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. So God's talking. He says, I don't change. This is how you've been missing. He says, But you're robbing me. And they're like, Wait, how? And they're like, He's like, in tithes and offerings. I've told you to bring this to my storehouse, and you haven't been doing it as if you're taking it from me. And he says, hey, when you don't follow, when he's saying in this situation, if you don't follow me, you're going to be cursed. Your, your plants and things will be cursed. And he's just trying to, like, kind of plead them. But remember, he said, just return to me. And this is the interesting thing. He's explaining how we or the church, this is a metaphor for now, has gotten away from this principle of bringing our tithe to him, offering guys as anything above the tithe, just to, just to clarify, bring of our tithe to him, because as God's children, it's a way that we show we trust him with our income and we trust him with our life, we trust him with the things he gives us. But because he got away from us, they are curse. The curse is simply a consequence for stealing the tithe. He's saying, I'm gonna, hey, your, your plants are cursed because you will not bring, but if you bring it back to me, I will remove the curse, right? And so you might say, Amir, but I thought God's God. Like he like he owns everything. So what, what is this the big deal? Why is he asking for things back when he's God? He he's the all-powerful, he's the almighty. Because this is the cool thing about God. Though God is God, he he lets us play a part in this world. And he allows us to be stewards of of what he's given us. And all he's asked us to do, and I'll explain this in detail in a second, is he just asked for 10%. He said, I'm going to let you be stewards of your finances. I'm going to let you be stewards of these things, but I'm just asking for the first part. And in this situation, the old times, most of them are farmers. So he's asking for their first crops. Okay? That's what's cool about God. But remember, I didn't make these words up. This This is the word of God. But he says, hey, because you're, still, you're under a curse, but you gotta know God's plea. He says, this is not what I want from you. I want you to return to me. I want you to simply take the 10% and put in the church, and then I want us to be in good standing. That's what God ultimately wants. So don't hear curse and get thrown off. That's not what he wants. He's just having to put his foot down and say something right here. And this is the, this is the interesting part. This is probably the most, most famous uh, uh, scripture on tithing, if you were wondering. But I heard a pastor say this, which is pretty powerful. He said, man, it's crazy how people fight or argue or wrestle with the scripture or the thought of tithing. He said, but we have to remember God gave his son Jesus, but we can't give him 10%, just 10%. So God will send his, his first and only son for us, and not only will he send him, will he die for us, but we as, as a group of believers have a hard time giving 10% back. It's just a, it's just a, that just put things in perspective for me. Well, let me give you some description of tithe. Tithe in the Hebrew means a 10th part or 10 that's the definition of tithe. That's where we get 10%. And a lot of scholars and researchers when I do research, thought that the reason why maybe God decided 10%, because no matter what your wages were, it would be the same incrementally for everyone. So if I make $10, if I make $100, if I make $1,000, if I make $10,000, I make $100,000, if I make a million dollars, 10% is going to take the same amount of, away from my total number, not the literal number, but we get. we give the the same back, right? It's not like, oh, you give 80% to them, they're upper class, and you give four, no, no, God's saying 10%. The other cool thing is the number 10 in the Bible frequently represents tests. So if you didn't know numbers in scripture represent something, So seven is the number of completion a lot of times when Jesus is talking. Five is the number of grace a lot of times. 10 is the number of tests. So I'm gonna give y'all a little test, a little quiz, it's gonna be fun. And I need y'all just to shout out the number. This is not a trick quiz, but... If you know these answers, I need you to shout it out like awesome nation people. Okay. In the Old Testament, how many plagues did Pharaoh have against, Jesus, against Egypt? Ten. How many commandments are there? Loud and proud. Don't act like you are tired. What's going on here? This is in the book of Numbers. If you know, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? It's good. You all are so good. How many times was Daniel tested? Okay. We're on some. How many versions were tested in Matthew 25? It says the first thing. If you don't know the answer, there's a pattern. I'm not trying to trick you. I promise. Hey, how many disciples were there? 10, 12, here you guys. Don't act like you don't know how many disciples. Some say 11 because it was kind of weird. One got weird. We have to laugh. This is heavy. I was hoping y'all would be like, 10. No, that's not the answer. But 10, 10, we see this pattern of test, of test, of test, of test. Remember, this point is God, the tithe is a test, right? This is the coolest part at this point, I think, though. It's a two-way test. God is saying, hey, I'm testing you. But in that scripture in Malachi, he says, Test me in this. And this is the only time scholars believe, it's the only time in the whole Bible God says, Test me. You test me with this. It's a two way test. Hey, I'm testing you, but God's almost pleading, I dare you in love. Please test me. Please give me, bring the tithe. Watch how I'll bless you. Watch how I'll take care of you. Watch how I'll have your back. Watch how I'll show up for you. Hey, but let me say this. This is all in the thought of farming is the greatest way to understand this. So a lot of times people say, well, Amir, I gave for a while. I gave for a week or month and I I don't think anything really changed. Well, think about farming. And a lot of the people on our leadership team have farms back home. If you plant a seed and then come back in two weeks and you went up to the farm, you're like, I don't see anything. They would laugh in your face. Because when you sow a seed, scripture, metaphorically speaking, or you literally do it, or you do it with the tithe, you're, you're, you're stepping in faith and saying, God, I trust you with the future. If we already saw the provision and the blessing, we wouldn't want to give. It's stepping out in faith and say, God, I trust you. And this is a test. And I'm going to say, I'm going to get an A plus on this test. I'm going to pass this thing. Right? That's the cool part about this. It's the only time though he says, test me in this. So I believe we can do it these two ways. We can, we can have 90% with God's blessing, or we can have 100% without it. But I'd let you take your pick. I know it's not easy, but this is why it takes faith. Number two, and we're going to go through these next three really fast, I promise. The tithe is biblical. I know that's so simple, but I just want you to know it's from the word, man. Tithe is biblical. So a lot of people, there's a lot of people I've talked to, whether it's our age or older, and they don't believe the tithe. They don't believe it's real. Some of it's because they think it's some, some. people think it's just for the Old Testament. That's another message. If you want to come up to after me, I'll explain it. Um, some of it believe it's just not in the Word. Well, I just read you a scripture how was in the Word. I'm going to read you a couple other ones just so we wrap our minds around this. And let me say this. If you don't tithe right now, it's okay. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not shaking my finger at you. I just want you to be obedient to the things that God's called us to do and God to move in your life, okay? Let me preface that again. Leviticus 2730. This is the first mention of the tithe in terms of, of, of giving of what we grow in the crops back then. The tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So God's saying, hey, the tithe belongs to me. It's holy. If you didn't know the definition of holy, holy means set apart. So God's saying, hey, that tithe is set apart. Like it's never even meant to be, metaphorically speaking, in your home. It's meant to be in my home because it's already been set apart. So we as believers, if we believe it's biblical and scriptural, we gotta set apart the tithe, okay? Genesis 28, 22. This is Jacob talking. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth, Lord. God had just moved in his life in a big way, and he set up an altar, and he says, God, whatever you give me, I'm going to give you a tenth. He's making a declaration to honor him that way. Now, I guess if I were to ask you, hey, if Jesus believed in the tither, if Jesus agreed or Jesus wanted to tithe, I would wonder what we would say. Would we be more inclined to give of the tither, obey with him? And the only scripture that makes mention of it in the New Testament is this, Matthew 23, 23. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, which is always entertaining because he doesn't really like them because they're silly. And they're all truth city, and there's some grace there, and they just miss it. Woe to you, teachers of the law. This is Jesus talking. And Pharisees, you hypocrites, He just gets gangster on them. It's awesome. I just I wish I was there. Like you're in a temple, and Jesus just starts yelling at these people, and you're like, oh snap. It's like, you know, in high school when someone starts to fight, it's not like this, but it's kind of like this. Someone starts to fight and you run around. I feel like all of us would have ran and be like, make fun of him, get him, Jesus, Pharisees. Those dudes stunk. I'm sorry. It's just, just scripture. He says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, great spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He's saying, hey, you give of your tithe, you follow the law, but you've neglected, like, loving people, justice and mercy and righteousness, faithfulness. You've, like, neglected these things. So who cares if you get the law right because you're not treating people any good way at all. Take note of this. He said, you should have practiced the latter, meaning justice, mercy, and faithfulness without neglecting the former. He's talking about the tithe. So he's saying, hey, you need to really focus. You do the tithe right. You need to really focus on the righteousness, on treating people right, but please don't neglect or don't not do the work of another translation says of the tithe. So Jesus could have easily said, hey, don't worry about the tithe. But he says, hey, don't neglect the former. It's just important to know that. Let me tell you about the first time I started giving. Let me be vulnerable with you. Maybe this will help. So I was a senior in college. I, I did the fifth year. Any victory laps in the house? Come on, somebody. It's the best. It's the best year of my life. Sorry. It's just fun. Um, sorry. Uh and so I started giving because I I finally was taught this by some mentors. I started, I began to understand this, and it became, it came to life to me, and they showed me the word, and I was like, wow, I've never done this. Why? I went to UCA here in Conway and I worked in the student life office in the student center. And I was a student worker, and then I got paid minimum wage, I think it's the same. Um, And I'll just, I'm just going to tell you some numbers to be honest with you. I got paid about every two weeks, $120. I was big balling. And so, um, which like imagine food and rent, it doesn't add up, but it was fun. Uh, And so I got paid $120 and I was like, okay, I'm going to start giving, but I'm guys, I'm 22 years old. You know, I just, it's the first time someone's ever taught me this. And I was like, okay, so 10% is easy. i $12. So I was like, okay, I guess I just give $12. So I go to the bank and I either break a twenty, and I would always put it in the offering container. I used to sit over there just the same as we do now, and I would put $12 in the offering container. And I was like, okay. And it was challenging the first couple of times, but I was like, this makes sense. I have mentors in my life. I have people holding me accountable. And this is what the word says, and it's just 10%. And I'm, I'm not making much, but it's like if this is God's and I'm a steward of it, it just made sense to me. And again, I'll say it was challenging the first couple of times, and I didn't make that much. Maybe some of y'all made less than me. You make that now. But I made, it was $12, <laughs> you know, it's just not, I wasn't breaking the bank. Well, fast forward, I had a lot of, I was a GA in grad school and I worked at a restaurant and I made less, so it kind of went up and down. But three years later, when I graduated grad school, I got my master's in counseling. I got licensed counseling. I started doing counseling here in Conway. And where I worked, it was In counseling, there's kind of two worlds. You can get salary or you can do contract labor. It's just kind of it work. So contract simply means as many hours you put in, you get paid for. You get paid by the hour, which is... Some people are like, it's awesome, make a lot of money. Or, yeah, you can see 30 people and lose your mind. It's crazy. But I didn't do that. So there, averagely, I'll just be transparent with you. Average, on average, I'd probably make about $1,200 every two weeks. That's irony, huh? I like looked in old pay stubs and stuff. And so now I'm making about 1200 every two weeks. So it just simply would add zero. So now I'm tithing $120. And I'll be honest with you guys, it was never hard for me. And I was making more. It was a tenth of my check. Um, but I just learned what a lot of pastors say. I learned to live off the ninety. I learned to live off the 90%, and it was almost effortless for me. Why? Because I had been growing spiritual muscle and giving my $12 and giving my $12 and giving my $12 and giving my $12. And, And, guys, I had graduated, and I don't know about y'all, I went to school for eight years, a little longer than I was supposed to. I got a master's, not a doctorate, which is fun. But I went to school a year longer than most people do on track. So I was so thankful to have a job. I was so thankful to get my master's. I was so thankful to get to live in Conway, which I fell in love with, that it was a no-brainer for me to give because God had blessed me and provided for me and helped me prosper because there's a lot of crazy I don't have time to tell you the habit of grad school and God got me through it. But so many times, oh, let me throw this in here. This is just a finance curveball. You don't have to do this. This just what I do. Someone once told me, I actually live off the 80. And so I hear a pastor always says, hey, you give your 10% to tithe, put 10% in your savings and live off the 80. And that kind of sounds crazy, but I started that in grad school and now I have like a big chunk of money. (laughs) I'm like big balling, you know, I make so much money as a pastor. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But I have been doing that over about five years and I put in 10% in my savings and now I have like enough to cover me for emergency stuff like that because I simply was putting $12 back in day in my savings, then $30 in my savings, then $50 in my savings, then $120 in my savings. So if you can do that, this is just a mere wisdom. This is not the word. It's just if you can live off the 80, it's just a principle. You give 10, save 10, live off the 80. That was bonus. Y'all looking at me like, I ain't giving you that second 10. Okay, you don't have to do it. Um, This is what it comes down to, guys. A lot of people our age, I used to say this is a couple things. Amir, I'll give when I make more money. Like, I'll give when I get my job, or I'll give when I get the job I ultimately want. And I just want to tell you the truth. It, it's never going to give easier. So, like, the more money you make and you haven't been giving, it's going to be harder to give. And I, I promise you when, you, when you make little or to you little, you know, I know a lot of y'all have high hopes and aspirations, which is amazing, but if you can learn and be a good steward and give now when you make a lot less than you might one day, I promise when you have your dream job or you're doing what God's called you to do or whatever it is, you're going to give faithfully and it's not going to be hard for you. Does that make sense? Please don't wait. Because when you make more money, it's going to be even harder. I'm telling you, $120 is a lot harder to give than 12 It's a lot harder to give than 12 It just takes faith to trust God now. Number three, tithe is the first 10%, not just 10%. It's the first 10%, not just 10%. I'm gonna go through these fast. Exodus 23, 19, it says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord, your God. The first fruits are simply in crops or in the first the first uh, plants, the first of your crop. It's saying bring the first fruit. So now it's saying not only bring your 10%, bring your first 10%. So for what that would be for us guys is whenever we get paid or whenever we have income, it's bring to a God first, Right? Because what I was doing, guys, for a while is I would just give, I would pay my tithe whenever I came to church or whenever it was convenient. But what God asked in his word is I want it to be the first thing. Why? Because what we can do is get in a habit of we just give to God, but we don't give it to God first. And then now we're just doing it to just check it off the list. That's what Amir did for years. Well, I'm giving my tithe. What's the big deal? Well, my heart hasn't changed, and I'm not striving to put God first in my life because I won't give it to him first. I understand we have bills. I understand we have groceries. I understand we have gas. But if we make a habit, I said we have gas. That kind of sounds funny, like you have gas. But I meant like you got to get gas. Okay, sorry, you didn't catch that one. Usually y'all laugh at me. I got that one. So point me, one to you. Okay, one to one. So I understand we have bills. But if we can get in a habit of giving God, bringing God the tide first, the first fruits. Check out this other scripture. This is the best one. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. First word, honor that's so what we're talking about. The Lord, with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, that your barns will be overwhelming. Your vats will, will be brimmed over the new one. I can't talk today. So God is saying, not only do I want your tithe, I want you to bring me the tithe, I want you to bring it first if possible. Hey, and this is, everyone look at me. This is where sometimes we miss it as a generation. This is not to be legalistic. So like if you go get gas or you go to Starbucks and then you're like, oh my God, oh my God, I didn't pay my tithe, now God curse me. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's your heart. So don't get tripped out. If you haven't made it to New Life Church or wherever you give, give online. And you're like, oh, I haven't given, you haven't, doesn't. no, it's okay, it's your heart. You're just making it an effort to give first. Does that make sense? There's a lot of times people will freak out and, <laughs> and get lost in it. It's not a legalistic thing. Let me say this though. Jesus, Christ sent Jesus to us. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, died for us. Meaning like, he didn't wait till we said, okay, Lord, we need a savior. He sent Jesus while we are still sinners to do a work in our lives. And the same thing is that while, while we may not see the future, while we, while we may not make him, while we may not, while might understand right now, we need to be obedient and faithful and give God our 10% now. Because he sent Jesus at the time he thought it was right. He didn't wait on us. And how many of y'all thankful he didn't wait on us because that might be a bad, bad day. So a couple years ago, I was a leader in elevation. You have to know this because it was scary. And we went to Rwanda. We took mission trips to Rwanda. and I, I went, It was my second year. I was just going, uh, just to go. And coincidentally, I had just gotten to speak for the first time in elevation in the chapel in the summer. It was less than 100 people. It wasn't anything crazy. And uh, I, I, we went to Rwanda, and my pastor asked me if I'd want to speak. And I was like, What? I was like, no, I don't want to speak. And he's like, no, you're going to speak to the church. And so, in, guys, there's a translator. You speak through the translator. And I was like, oh my god, I can't do this. I was freaking out. That's not the story. That's another story. It's hilarious. But there was like almost a thousand people in the church, and my leg was like shaking the whole time. I'm like holding this iPad, and I'm like, it was bad, but it was awesome. Okay, we have a picture. I don't know if we have a picture. Do we not have the picture? Maybe we have the picture. Okay, so they made me wear this white gown. It was awesome. That's what pastors wear. They called me Pastor Amir. I wasn't a pastor, um, but you can take that off. It's embarrassing. Um, but we did. They did an offering. And I want to show y'all what the offering they brought. So they did an offering, and I was sitting by the pastor before I spoke, and we got a little picture of it. Those are people's plants in a bucket. And I watched them bring it up. Like these ladies, you know, a lot of times the ladies in the World Country will carry things on their head. And I was, I leaned over to the pastor, I was like, what is that? And he's like, that's their tithe. And guys, they literally had no money because a lot of people in Rwanda, in the area we were at, are farmers. And so a lot of people are, they don't literally have cash because they they live off the crop. And so they go sell their crop. But it was so important to them to bring the first fruits that before they went to the market and sold it, these people brought it to church on Sunday and put it at the altar. The first rice, whatever the crop was, they brought it first. And my, guys, it blew my mind. Because we can read these scriptures, we say, but when you see people do it and it's literally their first fruit, it's their first crop, they don't get a paycheck and they brought to the Lord in faith that he would provide for their family, for their crops. Guys, it rocked my world. I started tearing up, I promise you. And so I came home and I used to just give like whenever it was convenient. And ever since then, because of that, not because of anything, God stirred in my heart. Every time I give now, I, on my day, when I get paid, I go to those, this is just how I do it. I go to those kiosks and I pay with my card Because I like to pray and thank God for all he's given to me and bring it to the church. I know people give online. There's nothing wrong with that. I just like to know where I'm giving and give to the Lord. But it's because these these people in Rwanda, they're first fruits. And we're just so blessed in America. Sometimes we don't have to live like that. Nothing's wrong with them. We just, you know, we have these jobs. Last one is this. Number four. Tithe is brought to the house of the Lord. I've spoken way too long. I'm so sorry. We're going to party after this. I promise. Exodus 23, 19, bring the best of your first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord. We've been talking about this. Malachi earlier says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, talking about the church. Okay, let me give you all a visual example. Um, Evan, when you're done right, will you come up here for a second? Stand up here with me. Uh, Andy and Seth, Sean, I can't do it. You look too crazy. Colton, will you come here? And will you guys stand in front of the stage and face the crowd for me? Just get a line each other. I was going to pick Duck Dynasty, but it's too much. I'm sorry. Okay, let me give you all an example. The reason why I brought Evan up here, because Evan is a newlywed, and his wife is Sydney Crafton right there, and so that's a big deal, and I'm not married, so I can't do the example. That's why I brought him up here. So I heard a pastor say this. It was pretty powerful. I want to end with this. I'm sorry. I've gone long. Um, so Evan, metaphorically, this is a story. Evan's going to go out of town, okay, and Evan wants to make sure that Sydney's finances are covered, but the way he wants to do it is he wants to give it through his friends, so Evan, this is not the actual money. It might be one day. That's cool. But Evan's going to give each of these guys, he's going to give, I just want to say, cut off. That's good. Okay. He's going to give Andy, he's going to give Andy, Seth, and Colton $10,000, okay? For each month. And stay with me. This is what he's asking. He's going to ask and He said, say, hey, guys, I'm going to give you all $10,000. I ask that each of you all give $1,000 to my wife, Sydney. And because you're doing this for me, because I'm trusting all this, I'm going to go out of town. You can keep $9,000 of it. Wow. Okay. Done, Evan. So Evan goes, and a couple months go by. Evan's talking with Sid. He's going out of town. And Evan calls Sid, and he says, hey, how, how's the giving going? How's that going through those guys? And she's like, well, you know, I, I think it's gone pretty good. Andy, every time, first of the month, Andy gives me $1,000. Like, he, he brings it to our house. It's done. It, it's never, it's really on time. She's like, we go, he goes, okay, how's Seth? He goes, well, interesting enough, Seth always gives me $2,000. And Evan's like, $2,000? Why would he give $2,000? She's like, I don't really know, but it's just been blessing us big time. And he's like, awesome. She's like, well, what about Colton?" And she's like, well, Ev, I, I wanted to talk to you about that. <laughs> Please, it's okay if you have a beanie on. <laughs> she said, well, Ev, I want to talk to you about that. Colton, I, I think something might be off with Colton. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But the first month, Colton gave us $700. And the second month, he gave us $400. But, but the third month, he didn't give me anything. And I wonder what, how Evan's reaction would be. I, I think he'd be discouraged, like sad, like, wow, I just, I just asked you to take care of my wife, like, I gave you $10,000. All I asked was that you give her one. You can keep $9,000, but I don't understand why that was so hard for me. I, I imagine that would be hard for Evan. Like He'd be challenged by that. And so what would Evan do? This is what I think it would do. Because Evan couldn't trust Colton, he'd probably take that next month's wages and he'd probably split it up between those two guys. Why? Because he can trust them. He can trust them with giving faithfully to his wife the way that he asked and provided, okay? We, we guys, we give them a round of applause. All right, clap for them. I'm going to land the plane. This is the spiritual truth of that story. Jesus, before, when he rose from that, he came back. He was looking at the disciples. He was about to go to heaven. He said, hey, I'm leaving. But I'm gonna come back sometime. But I'm leaving now. The cool thing, what Jesus left us is, is his word, his church, and his spirit, right? And he said, hey, I'm leaving. But I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to take care of my bride. And whenever, whenever you, you, you can, whenever you get paid, I want you to give 10% to her. Because if you didn't know, scripture talks countlessly and Jesus refers countlessly as the church as the bride of Christ. So I wonder what we think about giving now when we know it's so close to Jesus' heart. Hey, I left you my bride. I'm coming back one day and all I've asked is for you to give 10% to her. And trust me and be faithful and I wanna bless you, I promise. And I don't mean just financially, guys. I want to have favor on your life. But he cannot bless those he cannot trust. And God simply asked for 10%. I know that's hard for us to wrap my mind around. I know we're at all different places with this. But he literally tests us, but he wants us to win. And so I just want you to think about that. Where you're at in life, I I don't know where you're at, but we got to take care of his bride. Scripture says we are the bride of Christ. But think about anything in this room, me, why we have church is because you take care of the bride of Christ. That's the cool, cool truth.